Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Check it out. It's October 24th. Yowie. And a sunny day here in Pittsburgh, PA. So uh, a good day to you all. Uh... There's no getting around it. I gotta jump into the news here. Um, that uh, ridiculous scene at the uh, United States Capitol yesterday, staged by these white guys. I think I saw two white women. But when it says Republican congressman storm and and, of course, you look at the picture of what Republican congressmen look like, and it's it looks – I mean, the thing that always comes to my mind is um, when I was a kid following the news and terrified of the Soviet Union – this would be during the Cold War – the pictures of all those white guys, the Politburo, uh, always used to terrify me. Uh, in part because, you know, they were the enemy, and also in part because of just the monochromatic sameness. And this is before, you know, I even heard of the word diversity, but the Republicans look like the 1950s Politburo uh, in this most diverse country. And um, I guess in many ways it explains their M.O., uh, politically, they know that time is not on their side, and thus the kinds of things they do, voter suppression, distraction, um, flat-out lies. Um, let us in! Let us in! They supposedly said as they banged on the door. Uh, never mind that uh, a whole bunch of the guys screaming, let us in, uh, could have walked right through the door because they are members of the committees <laughs> that, that are hearing the testimony behind closed doors. So this was a charade, um, and you hear over and over again, they don't, in fact, uh, they are not protesting that the president did not do what he is alleged to do, have done. They can't. So they're protesting the way the Democrats are um, going about their impeachment inquiry. And um, stop and think about it. They're doing, the Democrats are doing nothing wrong. Everything they're doing is totally uh, kosher, constitutional. Um, they are, uh, yes behind closed doors with both Republican and Democratic members of the three committees involved, uh, essentially taking depositions of uh, witnesses in this potential case. Um, and it's not unusual for that to happen in our justice system. Uh, if you drop back to uh, the impeachment of Bill Clinton, um, Ken Starr, we did uh, it, it took all kinds of depositions and uh, got his evidence behind closed doors. It's called a grand jury. 
you can't, we weren't privy to what was happening. He was gathering information as part of his inquiry. That's what the Democrats are doing. <laughs> there is nothing uh, below board above it, about it. The only, I mean, it is, so everything the Republicans are doing now is simply uh, distraction, attempts to show the president the abusive daddy that we're here for you daddy we're on your side we're doing whatever we can uh and playing to the um their ignorant gullible base and and then playing also to uh, a huge huge number of americans who frankly don't pay attention at all they just don't um we all encounter such people in our lives um, who are good people, they go about their lives, but they absolutely pay no attention. And so those are people that are always uh, uh, potentially uh, fair, fair game, not fair game. What is it? What am I trying to say? They're, they're, they're uh, geez, I hate that one. Per damn words disappear on me. Damn, susceptible, and I don't think that was quite the one I was looking for, um, to, you know, being misled because they don't quite pay attention. Whatever. Let us in. Let us in. Uh, Dan Rather, former CBS uh, anchor, who I do follow on Twitter, he's very good on Twitter. He's smart. He got to be way up there in years now. But he's got Twitter down and uh, does it beautifully. Anyway, he uh, he tweeted uh, while watching this absurd uh, Republican charade yesterday. He called it a stunt um, of their storming of the room on Capitol Hill. By the way, the, the other thing that they apparently did, which I don't even comprehend because it has to do with technology, that this is one of those, you know, safe rooms where uh, electronics have to be left out, uh, there is whatever, and they went in with, uh, despite the rules, uh, violating the rules of their own body in that regard. That was not cool either. But Dan Rather reminds us, and I was trying to think of it yesterday, what it what it was, because this is the quote that applies now uh, to almost any time you are watching any Republican try to defend um, this president. And it's a quote from Carl Sandburg, and I didn't realize it was Carl Sandburg who's, who said this. The... Uh, the the I always mix Carl Sandburg up with um, Robert Frost. Why is that? Because they were both old white-haired men when I was a kid. I don't know. But here's Carl Sandburg's uh, quote, and you'll you'll recall it. If the facts are against you, argue the law. If the law is against you, 
argue the facts. If the law and the facts are against you, pound the table and yell like hell. And that's what we saw yesterday. They don't have the facts with them. They don't have the law on their side. So they're left to engage in these pathetic uh, stunts. These are men who are being paid taxpayer dollars to do a job. It's called legislating. You seen any legislation? The House has passed quite a bit of legislation, and then even though what you learned in Schoolhouse Rock, uh, you know, it, it doesn't go to the, it goes to the Senate and dies. I mean, it, it doesn't get voted on, it doesn't get debated, it just dies because Mitch McConnell has important things to do, like, I don't know, <laughs> protect the president and um, pack the courts. McConnell was not protecting the president very, very well yesterday, which is another indication of a crack. And I was talking yesterday about the cracks starting to form. And, you know, just like a stitch in time saves nine, you know, if people don't repair cracks, the cracks create other cracks, create other cracks, and then you got things that aren't even cracks. They're big. They're like things being pulled apart. And here's another crack that happened uh, yesterday. Uh, the president uh, in, opened his mouth and, and of course, lied. He, uh, he said that Mitch McConnell had uh, said that his telephone call, the president's, with the Ukrainian president was, according to... Donald Trump, perfect and innocent. He attributed both those words to Mitch McConnell. Now, I don't know anybody who uses the word perfect to describe a conversation. I'm serious. Have you ever heard the term perfect? In any conversation you had that was like really interesting or... Uh, fruitful or what would you ever say man and we were talking and I'll tell you that that conversation was perfect it's just not a word that applies to a conversation uh, Mitch McConnell did not call that conversation perfect and he also did not call it innocent and how do we know because when a reporter asked Mitch McConnell yesterday the president said that you called his conversation perfect and innocent. And McConnell said, I cannot recall such a conversation. That is, he said, the president is full of shit. And the reality is that Republicans are... <laughs> I would so love to eavesdrop on their real conversations when their guard is down when they're not prevaricating obfuscating and just generally lying through their teeth I would like to see this craven bunch 
I would like to hear this Craven Bunch actually speak to each other. And you know they're getting increasingly freaked. Increasingly anxious. So the president has always made them anxious. But now the president's making them even more anxious. And then these other things like pesky little inquiries and testimony and growing support for impeachment by the people of America is making them uh, increasingly anxious. And so these things are coming from more than one side now. And they're looking ahead and not seeing any hope for things calming down. Says right here, I'm going to read from some reporting in today's New York Times, some Republicans concede privately that it is difficult to mount an effective defense of Mr. Trump when much of the testimony and evidence available paints an uh, unfavorable, is the word the uh, New York Times employs, unfavorable picture of the president and also problematic for the Republicans. There are few witnesses that they could call who could credibly refute the accounts of this now stream of administration officials who have testified and totally buttressed and enhanced the whistleblower's account. When Susan was on, on Tuesday, I know we started the show talking about snot, and somehow we ended up also talking about uh, the teaching of history. <laughs> How those two, I, you know, well, sh stuff happens, you know. And lo and behold, I open up my New York Times today. We were talking about how in history, every class in first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, every September, at least that's when it used to classes started for me, you would, if you were doing history, you would start with the same damn thing, American history. You'd start with the Mayflower. And, um, and you'd never get you know, to anywhere near the present. And the second grade, the same thing, third, fourth, fifth. You never, ever got very far into the 20th century, which we were living in. And that is because it's more fraught uh, than older history, which becomes more codified. And we must admit that the stuff we were taught, grades 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 up, about the Mayflower, about George Washington, Abe Lincoln, and all the rest. Much of it was absolutely bullshit. I mean, true bullshit. And so anyone who managed to get to college and find themselves in a class on American history 
freshmen in college taking American history are invariably look like stunned. Stunned. Because it's the... Fr I remember getting... I, I really... I got very angry my freshman year in college when it seemed like the whole purpose of the freshman year in college was to disabuse you of everything that you had learned uh, in the prior uh, 12 years of your education. That's a lot of wasted time. Anyway, here today, there's a story in the New York Times, the headline of which, this history class focuses on an extraordinary era. The present. And it's this full-page story about a history teacher in a little place, Chalmette, Louisiana. And God bless this guy. Because he decided that what was happening now with impeachment provided an incredible opportunity to teach history and to teach civics. And that's what he's been doing. And so the students in his class, and this is a high school in Louisiana, by the way, it is in red country, uh, somewhere in the article, I don't. Uh, they, the Trump carried this this area by you know a ton. Okay, so these are kids that grow up in houses uh, where Trump most likely uh, was voted for. Uh, and. The reason teachers avoid, and this teacher says, the reason teachers avoid bringing anything that smacks of current events and politics into the classroom is they get blowback, pushback from parents. So a kid goes home and said, Mr. So-and-so told us today that this impeachment inquiry was, and the parents go nuts. Um, but these are kids, according to this teacher, who most of whom will be voting for the first time in the presidential election next year. And, and he said, I just thought it was important for them to understand this consequential thing that was going on. And he did it, you know, remarkably divided the class into certain uh, groups. Um, and he ended up having them essentially argue the cases. They did essentially the impeachment given. They had the whistleblower's account. They had the White House account that was uh, brought out. And he took them through the step-by-step -step procedures of what is happening now. And they sort of engaged in it themselves. And after it was over, not quite over, the count for how many thought impeachment should happen 
It's 12 of the kids thought impeachment should happen. Four did not. And five were undecided. And then they did an entire day with representatives from both the pro and con went at the undecideds, trying to pull them to their side. And in the final count, and this went on for over a week, two-thirds of the kids in this class in red country America voted to impeach. Trump. I'm just saying. That's a brave teacher. And my sense of it is he wasn't he was letting the kids essentially argue the the cases themselves with the evidence they had before them and the law. So they looked at the constitution and on impeachment what were considered impeachable offenses. They looked at the Nixon impeachment and they looked at the Clinton impeachment so they had some historical sense of how it had played out in the past. And then given the facts that they had, same facts we all have, two-thirds of these kids in red Louisiana said impeach him. And Barbara has pointed out how even over on Fox, um, their top legal uh, analyst, this uh, Judge Napolitano, who sometimes finds himself, and in the past this has happened, in the uncomfortable position of explaining to Fox uh, hosts and their viewers that there is a thing called the law. <laughs> and... Here's how it reads. Um, and in, in this that Barbara sent me, it says he demolished on Fox and Friends the narrative that the Republicans have been uh, cultivating and Fox has been cultivating to turn the public against impeachment. And here's part of what Napolitano said. Let me tell you what I did. I read the House rules. And as frustrating as it may be to have these hearings going on behind closed doors, the hearings for which Congressman Schiff is presiding, they are consistent with the rules. And they kept protesting. Well, they make up any rules they want. The rules. Blah, 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 blah. And Napolitano has to tell these people living in their fantasy world no, the rules say that this level of inquiry, this initial level of inquiry, can be done in secret. What happened in the Nixon impeachment? My former boss, he worked for, I guess. Oh, no. I, my former boss, Peter Rodino, I was his page in the House of Representatives. Rodino, instead of holding the hearings in secret, interviewed the witnesses in secret. Congressman Hyde and the Clinton administration, witnesses were interviewed in secret. 
and then presented in public. Congressman Schiff, with a set of rules, chooses to do the initial set of interviews and secret. And eventually there will be a public presentation of this, at which point lawyers for the president can cross-examine these people and challenge them. This is like presenting a case to a grand jury, which is never done in public. I get it, the Republicans are frustrated, said Napolitano to the Fox audience. And then he went on to say that the stunt these congressmen pulled yesterday is not the most effective way to show respect for what your colleagues are doing by the rules. What you're seeing here is desperation. Oh, I've got to remember, uh, by the way, um, we do know that um, Congressman Cummings will be lying in state at the Capitol today. Barack Obama will be speaking at his funeral. You'll recall that the current occupant of the White House called, uh, said many ugly things about uh, the congressman, um, including, you know, just trashing his city of Baltimore, saying it was rat-infested, and who the hell would ever want to live there, disgusting place. Well, I just want to point out that the Attorney General of Maryland um, uh, yesterday uh, charged the Westminster, Westminster Management is the name of the company. It belongs to the Kushners. Charged the Kushners with unfair, deceptive trade practices at the 17 residential properties they own in Baltimore. And they said... They are the units are infested by rodents and vermin, plagued with water leaks and at times lacking in basic utilities, thus victimizing the renters, many of whom are financially vulnerable. So it turns out the president was actually right. There are rat infested uh, dwellings in uh, in Baltimore. And guess who friggin' owns them? His son-in-law, Jared Kushner. Just wanted to say. We have a caller? Uh, caller, go ahead, please. Hi, Lynn. It's Roger again. Hi, Roger. Hey, um, I thought your comment about the uh, college teacher was interesting, you know, saying he was brave. And I guess in this day and age, it's brave. But what I find interesting is back when, I mean, I went to college very briefly before they said you're through after a year. But anyway, um, my parents didn't know what the hell I was doing in school. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like we disappeared. We went to school and my parents went to work and they did their thing. I so, I mean, 
they have to be worried about parents in college nowadays? Well, this isn't college. This is high school. Oh, oh, oh no. I thought you said college. No, no, no. This is a high school teacher. No, it's a high school uh, teacher. Oh, he is brave. Yeah. He, whoever, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it is true. Okay. The, I mean, parents was... didn't pay any attention uh, to any of it. I mean, I, I agree. And I think we were all the better for it, largely. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're developing, becoming adults. Right. Thinking adults, hopefully, but adults. But um, anyway, I, I was wondering if you had discussed or heard about the uh, Major League umpire and his tweet. Um, I, I didn't read the story. I saw the headline, a Major League umpire. What? He's a real MAGA guy. What did he say? Oh, it was something about going to war. I don't know. What, what, what did he say? He said he was going. He was going to get his AR-15 and and, and join the Civil War if oh, right. Trump is impeached. Right. And I'm like, holy cow! Well, you know, but My but there's plenty of people who are like that. The fact that he's an umpire in Major League Baseball, I don't see why that's even a story. I mean, can people lose their jobs? Um, I guess they do now if they make kinds of violent uh, threats or something on social media. But, I mean, what do, you, what do we know of the politics of umpires, referees? <laughs> I don't know. Is it that big a deal? I mean, so where did he say it? And, and I, I just think this is... He tweeted it. Oh, he tweeted it. Well, you know, to me, yeah. at this point, uh, he's an idiot entitled to his opinion and uh, for all I know, he's a good uh, umpire. I don't know. Do you really think it matters? Well, you, well, you know, we, we, we probably put people, we, we fire people if they have a drunk driving offense on the weekends, even though their job isn't driving for the company. Um, you know, why does he get any lighter sentence than, or, you know, uh, review from his bosses than the rest of us do? I mean, it just seems like yeah, what but you do what is his personal time his, his, is under what's scrutiny his all the time. I don't understand his crime. He's entitled in this country to have as much of an arsenal as he wants, right? The president... I guess, I guess that wasn't my... His president has talked about a potential civil war, and um, he's just, if he's impeached, <laughs> this guy's just saying, yeah, and I'll get my A4. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I wouldn't, to me, I would not get distracted by stuff like that. I, I guess my bigger point is, is okay, you know, the umpire uses as an excuse because there are a lot of people like him. I work with a bunch of people like him. Yeah, I'm probably you. related to people like him. And and you look at the Republicans and how what they did the other day, barging into the committee meeting and all that other nonsense. Hopefully we, we survive this. But yeah. if we survive this, I'm curious, you know, I mean, maybe it's a equivalent question. What happened to Nazis, you know, you know supporters, not, not the people who are, you know, killing people in, in concentration camps, but after World War II, did they just crawl into the woodwork? Did some apologize? Well, I'm curious, just like the average Joe who was behind Hitler all the way and just went and followed orders. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. What happened to those people? And it... Nothing happened. But, I mean, how were they viewed? How were they viewed upon? Were they scorned in no. their in their neighborhoods? No. Where... no, they went on with their lives um, and uh, begot children who begot children, and 
as you know, there's now a, a, a frightening increase in anti-Semitism in Germany now, with Jews actually being told uh, not to wear identifiable, you know, not to wear a, a skull cap, not to wear uh, for fear of being. So no, they just shut up. They they then shut up and put their heads down and go about their jobs, and um, and. And then they wait until another time comes when they can start saying what they really think again. They're never gone, these people. They have now crawled out during here. We've never seen them so clearly in our lifetimes uh, in the United States. We're, I mean, some of us. Um, we're seeing it now. No, nothing's going to happen to them. What are we going to do? Well, I'm not worried about things happening to them, but uh, is it a learning experience? Do people like, oh man, I was really. I don't think. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Some. I, mean, so, I think some. You're not but making not me most. feel good. You know that. Yeah. Yeah, I think some, but not most. <laughs> it just becomes a skeleton in the family closet. You sort of tamp it down. But um, their hearts, their minds changed. I think that's a very small number. That's my bet, and um, it's just that they, you know, they end up on the losing side, so they have to, they have to sort of shut up. That's all. They don't change. Okay. That's my guess. That's my guess. And one, one last thing. I'll leave. I'll, I'll, I'll leave. I was curious. You, you were talking about the gentleman who goes on Fox and has to, like, fight the fight for common sense or reality and that type of thing. Um, why don't, and I think Bill Maher talks about this all the time, why don't Democrats just beg to be on Fox and just get their side out and just say, look, here it is. I mean, because you're not having the debate, you no, no debates on Fox. I mean, that's the audience they need to speak to, not the rest of us. It's just like preaching to the choir. So why is this like they should make it a point? That's their PR campaign. Well, some do feel that that is the right way to go. I, I don't know. I don't know if they're, yeah, I don't know. It's, I get your point, and I suppose you could pick a person off here and there by doing that. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Okay. Okay. I was just right. like, I'm, I'm, I'm just spitballing here. Okay, thank you. We're all spitballing, Roger. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Um, Hi. Hey, speaking of refs, there was this other pic story about how uh, high school sports and even elementary school sports, they can't find people to referee. Uh, referees are, this is the Associated Press, referees are fleeing the profession. A Google search reveals crises in Alabama, Tennessee, Illinois, Missouri, California, and Florida with the National Federation of State High School Associations saying they can't find anybody willing to take the abuse of parents. According to the Dallas Morning News, 80% of officials who left the profession in the last years 
said that it was because of abusive behavior at games. Here's one of them saying, they, I know they used to call them helicopter parents. I think bulldozer parents might be more appropriate. They bulldoze every obstacle they think uh, to help their child. They're out there to run the show. So, I mean, that's a that's a not an easy position. Requires a lot of blah, blah, blah. and um, can you imagine? I did not see that when my kid was in, uh, you know, t-ball and then little league. Um, I did not see that, but um, there are so many instances of it. You got to figure. Uh, Gail Collins had a has an interesting piece today. Back in the day, I used to be able to name, and I mean a day long ago, I used to be able to name the cabinet secretaries in any administration. I because I I've always been a news junkie. I pay attention, and for one thing, the cabinet secretaries, you know stuck around so they'd be there for four years or eight years and you'd see every once in a while they'd get in the news and so you'd know who they were <laughs> i dare anybody to know the names of our current cabinet um anyway gail collins did a thing about pick the worst who is the worst member of Trump's cabinet? And and she she doesn't run down the whole thing, but she just puts out uh, some. And it, it's impossible. It, it, it's it's impossible. Uh, and I I was thinking also of that crazed. Uh, sort of news conference Trump had at a cabinet meeting earlier this week where he was flat out nuts and that apparently he does this all the cabinet sits there with their heads down while he rants and raves and talks about how brilliant he is and how other people even other Republicans are human scum you know stuff wonderful presidential stuff like that and you gotta wonder how you don't get to be on a pres in a presidential cabinet unless you've been a successful person at some point, and I'm sure ambitious and all that kind of stuff. How do these men, and they're overwhelmingly men, I can think of two women in his cabinet, can you? DeVos and, uh, and Chow, McConnell's wife. William Barr, the Attorney General, who I think should be in jail. Secretary of State Pompeo. He's the one who fired this much-respected woman who was the ambassador to Ukraine, has failed to protect in any way the professionals and uh, civil servants uh, under him was in on the conversation the perfect phone call by the way you got Mike Mulva Mick Mulvaney we saw what a genius he was the other day 
Um, and, and Colin says, you know, ineptitude is an important consideration here for choosing who's the worst. Uh, and thank God they're inept because she says there are lots of cabinet members who could cause immeasurable harm if they weren't so incompetent. And that's the truth. Uh, ben Carson, for one, <laughs> our Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Now, he's the only one, one of the few, I think, who's been there since day one. Um, and you'll recall he was asked during a congressional hearing about REOs, which is uh, an acronym, a well-known acronym at Housing and Urban Development. I don't know what it stands for, REOs. Um, a well-known acronym for foreclosed properties. And he didn't have a clue, this is the head of the department, what REO was, and in fact thought the questioner was talking about Oreos, cookies. Uh... Ah, Secretary of Labor, Alex Acosta. Oh, no, he's not the Secretary of Labor anymore. He's the one who let Jeffrey Epstein go when he was uh, uh, a prosecutor in Florida. So he's been ushered out. Do you know who took his place? I do. You know he's now the Labor Secretary? The son of former and now dead Justice Antonin Scalia. Let's see. Trump has been through four heads of the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, three in the Department of Defense. The current Secretary of Defense is Mark Esper, who Trump tweeted the other day and called him Mark Esperanto. Even Trump doesn't, actually, it was just probably a, spe you know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, she says, I'm sure the president isn't the only one who doesn't know the names of all these people in his cabinet. Uh, there are probably a lot of comments in a cabinet meeting like, yeah, I agree with that uh, that guy over there with the green tie. Ah, oh, any. Anyone who headed the EPA has to be up. Remember Scott Pruitt? Uh, yeah, the late, great Scott Pruitt. Uh, he's now gone, so he's not in the running. But the guy who heads EPA now might even be worse because he doesn't draw a lot of attention to himself, and he's doing what Pruitt did. His name is Andrew Wheeler. He was, of course, a lobbyist for uh, energy uh, companies. Um, and, of course... That's what you'd want, protecting the environment, um, a former lobbyist for energy companies. Uh, he's the one who now is uh, attempting to weaken uh, the rules for car emissions, even though the car manufacturers don't want to. We have a new interior secretary. Remember, there was a guy named Zinke who rode uh, to the 
inauguration on a horse. Remember him? Uh, Zinke is gone. He's replaced by a guy named David Bernhardt, who is history-making in the fact that he is the first interior secretary to be under investigation by the department he heads, Inspector General, from the first day on the job. He, too, you won't be surprised to hear, is a former uh, energy lobbyist. <laughs> are there any energy lobbyists who are left? I mean, who are not in uh, Trump's cabinet? Oh, yeah, we got the great Commerce Secretary. Come on, come on. Wilbur Ross, he the one who tried to skunk the census coming up with the citizenship question and who obviously perjured himself in testimony before Congress. But, of course, these days, crimes don't necessarily get prosecuted anymore. <coughs> He's also the guy who threatened to fire these guys at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration for trying to reassure people in Alabama that they were not going to be hit with a hurricane. Um, and that was after the president doctored that map, you'll recall. Yeah, Mitch McConnell's wife, Transportation Secretary Elaine Chow. You know, the only time you ever hear about her is when she's under investigation for um, putting money in the wrong places, helping her uh, billionaire uh, daddy who uh, owns a bunch of sh uh, ships. Um, I, it, I, picking the worst. <laughs> who can... That would be, I think, uh, in this case, it's just an impossibility. Um, oh, dear. So the president, where did I see this in the Washington Post? He declared victory in Syria um, the other day, uh, yesterday. Um, he said it was brilliant what he did. There is not another person in the world who agrees with that assessment. Not a one. Not a one. Here is a president of the United States, excuse me, declaring victory as Russian tanks roll in to bases that were occupied just days ago by Americans. Brilliant, says the president. He says he got the Turks to do this ceasefire. Why was a ceasefire necessary? Because he told the Turks, go on in, do whatever you want. Make no mistake, when America backs out, Others come in. And the others who are coming in, where we're backing out, are our enemies. And this doesn't pose any security problems for us? Oh, no. According to the president, it's just a bunch of sand. Blood-stained sand. Does this guy know anything about history? 
just because uh, a place in the world is not in your country does not mean that it is not incredibly important to your country's security. And that if you allow others to take control where you once had power, it ain't going to end well. The Islamic State is giddy. ISIS is giddy. If Americans, I mean, these are Republicans who always got the credit for being the big guys on national security, the big guys on pushing Russia back. This is their president, the one they're going to the mat for, handing one gift, one victory after another to Russia, to ISIS, to Iran, to Turkey, none of whom have our interests at heart. You see, the President of the United States is supposed to have the interests of the United States at heart. And the fact that both Republicans and Democrats are freaked, about, and professionals, the ones who have served administrations for decades trying to keep the country secure, they are all freaked. And the president says, brilliant. Unbelievable. The Wall Street Journal editorial, which I mentioned yesterday, was not mentioning Trump lately because, <laughs> like all people who support Trump's candidacy and his presidency, they can't defend him. And here is what they said about this, just a little bit. President Trump on Wednesday announced what he called a great outcome in Syria. And he's right. He's right if he's, if he's referring to the interests of Turkey or Vladimir Putin. The big success, as Trump called it, is that now Erdogan has agreed to stop Turkey's invasion into Syria. An invasion that Trump gave him the go-ahead to launch. Wall Street Journal, abandoned by the U.S. and with no good options. Our former allies, the Kurds, are cutting their own deals with the Russians and with Syria's Bashir Assad, hoping to survive somehow. Trump boasted about a safe zone that was created, but he must have meant safe for Bashir al-Assad, for Turkey, 
for Russia and for Iran. Oh dear. So, there you have it. Um, let me see what I got here, excuse me. I've been arguing, I've been arguing that we need um, to be in the streets and maybe that's during the Senate uh, trial that will come. I don't know, uh, but we need to be in the streets. If you pay any attention to um, what's going on in the rest of the world, uh, you, you are aware of people taking to the streets in countries all over the place. I mean, there is a lot of folks in the streets in Lebanon, in, I want to say Peru, although it could be Chile. Hey, I'm an American. I pay a little attention, but not much. In Hong Kong, for sure. In the UK. Us? Not so much. Um, but we need to because this is as consequential as it gets. Ha! Milton, you're peppering me with this stuff. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, wait, Milton sent me something. Wait a minute. I hesitate to go here because we'll be accused of being insensitive, but I have to admit, 98% of Americans are don't understand this at all, I think. Um, if you go in the women's hygiene aisle at the drugstore, you will find, you know, sanitary products for a woman's period. And um, a big brand is called Always, right? Used to be Kotex back in my day, but it's called, maybe Kotex makes Always, I don't know. Um... And here is something that is going to stun some of you. Uh, one long-standing belief is that only women can get their period. So, and I, you know, I stop there. I have to admit, men can get periods. It goes on to say, this is also why most menstrual brands exclusively advertise to women, including Always, which is, I guess, the big guy, big girl. They have a signature Venus symbol on the packaging, representing, of course, the female sex that uses their product. But... After years of campaigning by activists pushing to make the category more inclusive, always is going to change their symbol. Procter & Gamble, the brand's parent company, said in a statement, 
For over 35 years, always, has championed girls and women, and we will continue to do so. We are also committed to diversity and inclusion and are on a continual journey to understand the needs of all our consumers. Uh, here is somebody from the Trans Health Program told NBC News, for people using these products on a nearly monthly basis, it can be harmful and distressing to see binary gendered images, language, and symbols. Trans and non-binary folks are constantly misgendered, and a gesture like this can broaden out the experience and open up statements, uh, spaces for them. Always will work to revamp all of its packaging and bring changes into effect by February. You know, I have to say that for most people, this is like, what? Now I know. I have uh, someone in my, my life, my personal trainer, who identifies as queer and um and she has helped educate me a lot about this but even she struck she was the other day at some event and she said i met for the first time somebody who is intersex and i said what's intersex she said well they're born with both male and female genitalia. And I said, that's a hermaphrodite. She said, oh, apparently you that's, that word is out. It's now intersex. And I, mean, I don't know how most people are supposed to keep up with this. So I guess this is about people who present as male or look like male, but who have ovaries and thus have periods but I mean guys what percentage of people needing these products are <laughs> cis women okay it must be huge and I, I don't know I'm I am trying I am trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. But this is the kind of thing that does help the people who are freaked out by social change uh, never consider voting with us even if they like all of the policies we're for they just don't understand what's happening. And I, I have an appreciation for their confusion. I do. And here, Milton, Milton's really onto this stuff now. Uh, he has sent me this. The student union at the prestigious University of Oxford has voted to put an end to clapping 
Instead of putting hands together to celebrate something, students are now being encouraged to pull them apart, throw them in the air, and do what's called jazz hands when celebrants shake their hands in the air. Oxford is not the only institute of higher learning to silence claps. The University of Manchester passed a similar rule last year. Why? Is this because of deaf people? Oh my God, it's not! Oh, it's in part, but... The change is to help calm those whose anxiety may be triggered by the loud noise of clapping. I'm done. That did me in. That was not directed at you. That's just my general sense of just fucking leave us alone. God. We're going to atomize things down to each one of us is going to be a beleaguered uh, victim. Because we're all different, right? Jesus. And I'm really sorry if I freaked anybody out. God damn it. See you Monday. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.